This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Okay, Bane, here we are, episode 16. Yes, he says. And we're a couple weeks out from our last episode. Yeah, it took a little time off, and there's, uh, there's a lot of things we'll get into with what's going on. But uh, and we had the holiday, and so it took a little time to enjoy family and enjoy uh, just get a little recharge and get ready to go into 2020 and uh, really get after here with the Strength and Anger podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is our first episode of 2020. Um, any feedback you've gotten from the last few episodes, Bane? Uh, you know, everything that I've been getting, uh, it is a lot of the same people, but people, you know, getting into the archives, it's just been very, very positive. Got some great ideas, which I, I think I share with you uh, as far as some potential show topics from uh, either different, uh, you know, bars, accessories, programs, you know, kind of dive into that a little more. So uh, definitely get a lot of feedback from folks that want to hear more about our opinions on things. And also just, I think they are really liking the, the historical and educational piece we've been providing. So uh, it's really been, uh, been a big piece of the feedback I've been getting. Yeah, just in looking at the analytics, mm. uh, our number one episode is our powerlifting program review. Nice. So it would make it seem like we should do more episodes around that. I was trying to think today on how to structure that, so I'll have to put my thinking cap on. My, my thought is, just because I, as I look through the interwebs and see the different questions that come up a lot, is going to be like a accessories for the big three probably one of the next ones is or, or we can even do that probably an episode per lift but uh people always want to know what that secret sauce is what's the accessory sure i think that would be interesting it's steroids that's what it is for all of them yeah well we should do an episode on steroids I we, think. we will we talked point. about that uh earlier today about doing an episode on drug testing and yes. doping and uh you know maybe there's doping and powerlifting. Maybe uh, watching some of the various documentaries thereof. But there was 1,200 lifters at the USAPL Nationals. None of those guys take drugs. I'll just <laughs> leave that right there. <laughs> oh, man, we're, what, two minutes in? I've already got you silenced. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So what? other than that, Bane, what's going on with you? Oh, man, it's it's been a week. Uh, you and I have talked a, a little bit here, but it's, it's definitely been a pretty <coughs> crazy week. So, um during training, I, I had my first kind of test of this training block and uh, a 735 uh, squat yesterday. Very excited for that. It's a 10-pound lifetime PR. I was so excited. I decided to pause it in the hole. It's great. Uh, moved well. I, I definitely was feeling it afterwards, though. I actually didn't know where I was for about 15 seconds. That was kind of exciting. Uh, but then uh, the, the bigger news is I actually uh, resigned from my job today. Okay. Uh, I have a new position that I'm starting next week, and so I uh, actually uh, – Gave the news, broke it. That that was a that was an adventure for a different time. I'm sure some folks will reach out after this episode drops, but it was uh, it was an interesting day. Okay, <laughs> so those those are two big things going on with me. What's uh, I mean, there's nothing really going on with you guys, right? Yeah, not, nothing's been going on the last two weeks since we recorded the last episode. No, 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 no. What's going on? What's new with you guys? So we are actually recording today from yeah. the new Two XL Strength and Anger Studios. Yes, very the- exciting. At the new 2XL Powerlifting, uh, 1141 South Main Street, Lombard, Illinois. Come and give us a visit sometime. Uh, we moved the gym uh, since yeah. we last recorded. Yeah, like the entire thing. Like everything. Literally everything. Uh, is that what I understand is 10 truckloads? 
I believe that's at least 10. 20, if, 26 if, foot, not, not 53, but 26 right, foot. Right, right, yeah. correct. If, if not 10, possibly 12. Good Lord. And a lot of people's cars loaded up with crap as well. Yeah. A lot it, of SUVs filled up with boxes and just random stuff thrown in there. Kind of insane how much stuff really goes into a gym this size. Now, to be fair, I'm not sure that we had the logistics expert of Bain packing it into the truck. Yeah. Um, we did have high school boys. Now we had our boy, Georgie, at Suits and Boots yeah. leading the squad uh, at least two of those days. He's, yeah. he's an efficient human. But we'd had high school boys who did, from Rudy's Gym who did an excellent job, by the way. They, they did excellent work, but... You know, they're not necessarily logistics experts. They're they're hired muscle, essentially. Yeah, yeah, they're grunts. Nothing wrong with that, but they're grunts. So, yeah, we moved the gym. Um, I never want to move this gym again. <laughs> or if I do, I want it to be a long, long time from now. Or you just hire a crew to literally handle all of it for you. Yeah, uh, maybe if we have the financial means to do so, I would do that. Um, I'm saying if you're moving a gym this size, you probably do at that point. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, if you're moving to a, I mean, a different space, maybe but <laughs> I, I don't see a bigger space per se coming through. No, definitely not. Can, so, can that, you give a couple stats on the new gym? If, you, if I know we've talked about it a little bit, and yeah, well, close about it, but. yeah, it is twenty two thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, we have got a, a large open area mm-hmm. with our, I think it's fifteen by eighty turf, mm-hmm. same turf we use in the mass space, but we've got basically a triplicate wide of that space open. For strongman, for any kind of classes we want to run, mm-hmm. um, for other conditioning type things. And then uh, at the end of that, we have set up two permanent platforms. Mm-hmm. So when we run meets, we've just got our platforms right there set up to go. Nice. Um, kind of the kitty. So you don't have to move your gym around when the platforms are ready to go? Not really. Uh, not, I mean, a couple things, but huh. not, not too much. Um, we've got the warm up area, kind of kitty corner in the gym from the platform area. So people can warm up there. And then we've got plenty of room for seating for two platforms. Um, when I walked into this space, that's this is kind of what I envisioned when I walked around is thought, okay, walk in to the right. We've got all of our powerlifting stuff, ironically, where they have two giant cardio signs <laughs> above the space currently, which we will cover up, by the way. Um, we put our cardio uh, kind of next to our front desk, mm-hmm. and then in front of that... And is that a big, so you can watch people make fun of them? Or? Yes, it's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we had one office enclosed that we're in right now mm-hmm. that was the kid zone, and so... Inside of it, it's got a little tiny squatty potty that if you can squat down to to, to poop, you're definitely you're going to make depth even in the USAPL. Yeah, you, you will at that point. Um, we've got a giant like 3,000 square foot group exercise room that if anybody is interested in running their own business out of here, uh, we've got a, a nice size space for that. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. And there's even a, another like 2,000 square foot area behind that that was like a women's workout area. For us, we've got a lot of crap. Again, 12 truckloads. Yeah. So that's mostly storage. Um, but we've got, you know, basically a triplicate of everything in front of the gym. We'll eventually get another monolith, but another power rack. We've got three platforms, three competition benches. Right now, two monoliths in that area, mm-hmm. a third in the back by the platforms, you know, two power racks, a couple of the utility benches. Um, any other stats I'm missing here, Bane? No, I, I think that's it. I will say just from a, a lifter's perspective walking in here, it's – it's exciting, especially knowing, you know, what else will be produced out of here with from a meat perspective and then, you know, the other potential, that, you know, is uh, is available in this space. So, uh, as I said a couple episodes ago, congratulations. It's a very exciting time uh, here at 2XL uh, and obviously here at Strength and Anger in uh, Strength and Anger Studios. Yeah, yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, 
little scary because there's a there's a big nut to to crack every month. Yeah, and there is. And we're going to work on uh, all kinds of new things to do that. Now that I think I'm ninety ninety five percent of the way moved and set up how I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I got to work on not just moving the gym. Got to work on generating revenue in this space. Yeah, gotta, gym in the gym. Got to got to fill the space. Yep. Um, outside of that, my son Jacob had his first official wrestling meet yesterday. That's exciting. It's exciting. Um, you know, you know, as a parent, it's it can be challenging when your kids don't succeed, mm-hmm. and when you have a sport like wrestling that is literally you versus somebody else. Yep. Uh, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. Yep. And he won one, lost twice, and one of his losses, he thinks the other kid purposefully headbutted him twice. Hmm. He definitely headbutted him twice. Okay. Whether it was on purpose is another question. I guess you could say one is accident. To it's plausible, mm. it's on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to... And even Jacob said he didn't mind losing, he just didn't like getting hurt. Yeah, so no, that's it, fair. That's and that's fair. Seemed kind of like dirty pool. <laughs> right, so it, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, learned a lot as I I'd never wrestled. I was never at a wrestling meet other than when I was a really little kid. This is an odd one. My sister was a wrestling cheerleader. Okay. Which I don't think is a thing anymore. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Trust me, living in Iowa, it is a thing. Well, in Chicago, it's not really a thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was back then because they thought, well, we have football and soccer cheerleaders, while well, we should have base- basketball and wrestling cheerleaders. So you have kind of two sports. Because we, we did not have, sorry for this, we did not have soccer cheerleaders. Uh, okay. we were barely considered athletes anyway. Right. And, but yeah, it was football, basketball, and wrestling were the big ones. And uh, typically, the, the girl who was, you know, it was almost a, always captain of the cheerleading team. She would captain the uh, football and the wrestling squads, and then the backup was always the captain of the basketball squad. Wow. Well, yeah. in here in Chicago, it's definitely the A squad is basketball and football. Interesting. And Interesting. the B squad is soccer, and at that time, wrestling. Gotcha. Well, was, I was a, wrestling in Iowa is like religion. No, yeah, right, like I understand. Football in Texas. No, I, I, I got that. So yeah. um, anyway. You know, it was a de- I, I think it was not a not – a, the most positive experience, but it wasn't negative. You know, he said, I said to him afterward, you know, how'd you like your first meet? He said, okay. So okay. he didn't say he didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't say he loved it. Sure, sure. But did I think, he, did he learn anything yet? Does he really say anything like that or? I think so, but it's hard at that age for him or any seven-year-old to really articulate what they learned. Yeah. You know, I tried to say, hey, you know, just try to take each mass as a learning experience. What did you learn from me? I learned anything. <laughs> I learned to like headbutts. That's fair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, maybe that's what you learned. Or <laughs> maybe. Maybe learn to keep your hands up and throw the kid's head out of the way. Exactly. Um, so let's move next into, uh, I think, one of my favorite segments, What is Bullshit? I, I enjoy this segment a lot, actually. I actually really enjoy talking to my wife about what I should come up with next. This one was a very easy one for me, though. It was timely. It just made a lot of sense. New Year's resolutions, bullshit. Elaborate. So an ar- to me, an arbitrary date, and using January 1st is, to me, still arbitrary because People say, oh, it's the beginning of the new year. Well, Christmas Day is the beginning of the Christmas season, so why don't you use that? Or December 1st, beginning of a new month, why don't you use that? March 1st, April 1st, beginning of a new quarter, why don't you use that? To me, using an arbitrary date to start this new me, new you, or new year, new me. Oh, God, it, it, that drives me so nuts, I can't even stand it. If you're going to make a resolution that you are going to change some function of your life, whether that is your health, whether that is your activity in business, whatever, just start tomorrow. Take the rest of the day, plan it out, and just start tomorrow. Because to me, just waiting until the new year, I know I have done this many, many times where, especially if it's a focus on nutrition, 
cool. I'm going to start my nutrition on January 1, and that means I'm going to eat like a complete asshole for the next 30 days. Sure. And and that's what most people do. And then it is so easy because you get on the health kick. Like, oh, man, I got my beef and rice and my broccoli, and I'm going to eat like this. And you get three days into it, and all of a sudden that sugar dragon hits, and the last thing you want to do is eat another morsel of beef, and you're stuffing you know, Swedish fish down your gullet for you know an hour. Which is what you do all the time, anyways. I do, yes. I've just come. To, I just, I've accepted who I am, and that is who, what it is. So, news resolutions are bullshit. Um, I mean, I don't disagree, but a quick counterpoint. I mean, since I like to play devil's advocate, jerk. You know, I, I guess there is. It's okay for you to be wrong. It's fine. I don't really like New Year's resolutions, but I do think there is some sense slash utility in using the new year to reset. And maybe to uh, maybe not say, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds or I'm going to change everything I do, but say, okay, you know, I think the reason why New Year's resolutions are so big, not just because it's the new year, but because we've just gotten off of the holiday season of basically from Halloween to New Year's Eve, people have just been eating like shit. And I'd say this year, maybe me included. And so they think, okay. Let me use this opportunity of a new year to change what I have been doing and, you know, start something new. And I don't I, I don't agree with saying, hey, there's just an end date. You got to do it now. I think, like you say, it's either better to say, OK, I'm going to do it tomorrow once I've set it up. Or I probably tend to be someone that likes to slowly set it up over time and like, OK, here's about five things I know I need to do, but it's going to be probably too hard for me to swallow doom all at once like i need to get up earlier i need to eat better i need to do more cardio i need to i need to xyz and if you do all of those all at once i think your chances of failure are higher than if you say okay every week add something new or slowly because there's a book i read last year called the power of habit Mm -hmm. which i don't know who you read that i have yeah very good uh recommended reading you know, you have to make something part of your routine. It has to be a habit for you to actually do it. Yeah, excellence is a habit. I mean, that's Socrates said that. It's it's very much a habit. My thing with the New Year's resolutions of why I get you know kind of fired up about them is because because you are you you just walk through it. You just walk through building a plan to make it all happen. Again, I don't see a reason why that can't be done in a very short period of time. And I don't. And I hear what you're saying that oh, we people when we use nutrition is usually the one because that's the biggest one people always go with sure. is nutrition and diet. But whatever it's going to be, to me, there is no reason why it has to be the new year. There is no reason where you can, because think about this too. If you if we just focus on the nutrition piece, the holiday eating season is like six meals. It's the day after Halloween, you're eating your kids candy. It's Thanksgiving, maybe the day after, and then Christmas and New Year's. Sure. So, I mean, you're really saying. Christmas Eve. Whatever. So that to me is where, especially if you know something needs to be done. I need to drink less or I need to run more. Okay, cool. So. To your point, start small and continue building that. And in the new year, awesome. Now you can have a great new focus and you've already got some perspective on it. I am all for you know, getting perspective and being uh, thoughtful about what's going on. And, that, and I love taking every year. You know, I do this on my birthday. I walk outside for a second and I think back to my previous birthday and I snap my fingers and realize, wow, all these things that happened in the last 365 days all happened like that. I love doing that. But to me, the New Year's resolution is, is just, it, it seems very arbitrary. It's like, if I need to change, I'm going to change now. Sure, and the research shows that most people don't keep up on their New Year's resolutions. Correct. Correct. I think it's by, well, speaking to someone in the fitness industry slash, you know, 
personal training industry, Mm -hmm. the biggest month for personal training typically is March. And the psychology of that is generally people join a gym in January because New Year's resolutioners. Yep. They stop going in February. Yep. And by March, they hire somebody to help them with it. Mm -hmm. So New Year's resolutions are bullshit because most people don't do them. Yeah, exactly. And, And they don't follow through with them. But I do think there is some utility in, you know, changing your habits and changing your lifestyle. I will concede that. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be the new year. Yeah. Stone, what is bullshit? Uh, mine is very simple. And I had a really good one, Bane, yesterday in my mind. And mm-hmm. I should have written it down. I can't remember what it was. But this one is definitely bullshit. And that's 35-pound plates. Oh, really? Please tell us more. Uh, what is the point of a 35-pound plate when you can just take a 25 and a 10 and achieve the same thing? There's no extra utility in having 35 pound plates. Uh, if you want a full set of weights, all you need is a bunch of 45s, two 25s, four 10s, two fives, two deuces. That's it. That's, now, yeah. the math obviously doesn't work out for this, but if somehow a 35 eliminated the need for say having two 10s on each side, which kind of pisses me off that we have to have two, we have to have four 10s and two of everything else mm-hmm. that aggravates my, you know, sense of order. Okay. Uh, if somehow the 35 did that, then cool, but it doesn't, you can still, you still need two tens. Yep. I guess if there's a 20 pound plate and a 30 uh, pound plate uh, or no, something. No, yeah. I don't like that. They're bullshit. I agree. No, the reason plates are like that. People might ask like, why are, why do we have 45 pound plates instead of, it would make a lot more sense if bar- this is America. Well, no, it's actually the opposite of that. (laughs) (laughs) It would actually make a lot more sense if all of our bars are 50 and our plates were 50 and 25. That would be a lot easier. The reason that 45-pound plates are 45 is because that's the closest to 20 kilos. Yes. 20 kilos, 45 is very close. They're 25 because they're kind of close to 10 kilos. Mm -hmm. Um, 35s are kind of close to 15 kilos. So all the weights were... You know, they're trying to make things where they were close between kilos and pounds because when they were making them internationally, especially, you know, they were probably making things on a similar line. And I would venture to guess that most of you, if you went into your gym, most of your 45-pound bars and plates don't actually weigh 45 pounds. Yeah, they're probably 44.6. Or 50 or whatever. (laughs) But 35-pound plates are useless. Don't need them. Uh, Our colleague here, Bill Busby, brought in a bunch of 35s, and he laughed because he knows I don't like 35s, and (laughs) he put them over on the Smith machine, which is, you know, another semi-useless piece of equipment. It's good for pull-throughs. It's uh, a Smith machine's good for pull-throughs? I'll show you sometime, actually. Barzine uh, Vaziri showed me this. Basically, that's how he uses the Smith machines for pull-throughs. Interesting. I'll have to look at that. Now, the Smith machine's good for putting people's briefs on. It's fair. Uh, Mr. Raw. I, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't speak that language. So, new segment today, Bane. Yeah. Um, speaking of Bill Busby, he gave us a giant box of old Powerlifting USAs. I was stoked for this. Like, there was no hesitation when they brought that in. And, you know, people bitched at me when we moved this gym about how much stuff we had. And they're like, why don't you throw out a bunch of this stuff? I had probably a subscription of Powerlifting USAs going back to the early 2000s until they went out of business. I had a bunch of them. I saved them, but yeah. everyone told me, get rid of your clutter. Mari, you know, if it doesn't bring you joy, then get rid of it. Powerlifting USA would bring me so much joy. Are you kidding me? Right. So I got rid of all my own Powerlifting USAs, but Bill Busby did not until he gave it to us. So 
we've got a stack of them, Bane. Mm-hmm. And every week, I'd say let's just go through a couple highlights from some of these. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked for this one because I think it's uh, it's gonna be really cool to see. Just bring up some history, bring up some names. I think that's you know one of the again the big pieces of feedback I get is the historical pieces that we bring. This is gonna bring some folks out that you know. People are going to start digging through the different archives, whether it's YouTube, whatever, to find some of these lifters. And I am very, very excited for that. Yeah. So, and I think I will also take a picture of the the cover and post it on our Strength and Anger Instagram page. Yes. But today we've got Give the us a follow, please. we've got the October two thousand six edition of Powerlifting USA. Mm-hmm. On the cover is an eight twenty five raw squat from Scott Weech, and so this that is, is a, raw, no wraps. Yep, hundred percent raw. This is at hundred percent raw nationals. Wow. And this is, you know, kind of the time when Raw is becoming a thing, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Ed Cohn on the cover from USPF Senior Nationals. Mm-hmm. And we also got Sam Bird squatting a 1,003 geared at 198. That's wild. Uh, Scott, would you know what weight class he was in? Um, I could, if I searched through it, I would be able to. Okay, to see if you knew off the top of your head. So, he, no. he looks like 242, 275. That's a big unit. So the next one we'll go to, and, and those of you that never read Powerlifting USA, um, one of the big features of it was the top 100 lift, uh, list. Um, you could actually send in and get a certificate that they would send to you. Um, there's a different weight class every month. Mm-hmm. And then they also did once a year, they did masters and women. Okay. Um, so this month, top 100, 123 slash 56 kilo USA lifters. Oh, they're adorable. From August 2005 to July 2006. Um, I don't know these lifters, with the exception of one that I'll, I'll bring up, but D. Holloway had a 496 squat. That was the top squat of the year. Um, oh, man, this is, a, this is a difficult one. A 336 bench for S. Petranic. Don't know him. D. Holloway with a 578 deadlift, and he was also the top total. D. Holloway had a 1366 total. I'm guessing these are all geared. Uh, yeah, because, it's got to be at least single ply. Because there was no distinction of the top 100 list yeah. uh, of raw versus geared. Because, again, uh, raw wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would note that I'm not going to go through the whole list, but the number two squat was 451 from Margaret Kirkland, a female lifter who is number two on the top 100-123 list. That's amazing. And Margaret Kirkland did a lot of APF WPC meets. I, you know, it's funny when I saw her, and I haven't, uh, I haven't heard her name in a while. Mm-hmm. She she used to deadlift in these like reverse heeled shoes. Really. So, so instead of the back of the shoe being built up, the front of the shoe was built up, and she deadlifted sumo. Uh, my old coach Mary Sternberg talked about this, where if the front of the shoe had built up. You know, it kind of allowed you to sit back more oh, under your heels on a sumo deadlift. And so she'd, like, barely be able to walk up to the platform. Really? Because of these really weird, you know, looking shoes. But, man, she had a great squat and a great deadlift. A good bench. But, I mean, she was just perfectly built. Um, she was a full-geared lifter, but that's mostly what there was back then. Yeah. Um, and I remember those shoes, the reverse-heeled shoes. Hmm. We almost convinced our old teammate Justin Seepy to go out and have a cobbler make him some reverse-heeled shoes for his sumo deadlifts. Hmm. Interesting. We also had Becca Swanson in this episode, um, picture of her at the WPO at the time. Nice. With a 551 bench. I'm sure that is the highest bench of a female ever. That's got to be up there. And I mean, Becca Swanson is a, it was a beast, actually still is a beast. Still is, she's a monster. She still is a monster. I would be interesting to see if she would ever make a return. 
you know, I I would like to see her. I, I know there was the talk of you know Crystal Tate chasing Becca and everything. I would really love to see if she would. Uh, she still looks back. like she's in great shape. She really does. I mean, she posts on Instagram some very interesting posts. Yeah, she's a fun follow. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. She's I mean, yeah. Follow. If you just you'll you'll know what Ben and I are talking about if you give her a follow. Yeah. Um, and then there was a Westside article, and there was there was a Westside article basically in every Powerlifting USA because um, Westside. This was done by Matt Wenning, though, which I thought was interesting. Matt Wenning was at Westside at the time and has since left. And this one was titled The Training of the Posterior Chain. And it had all the, the normal things mm-hmm. you would assume would be in a Westside posterior chain article. Yeah. Reverse hypers, glute hams, sled drags. All the different things we do here at Westside. Pull-throughs. Yep. Um, I'm not going to go through all of it. But yep. uh, just a, just an interesting little tidbit of stuff going back to 2006. Believe it or not, Bane, that's like... 13, 14 years ago. That's it. That is insane to me. Also, as we were talking here, I was looking up Becca Swanson's uh, biggest multiply bench ever. It was actually 272.5 kilos, 600 pounds. That's uh, She is an animal. Yeah. I remember seeing her hand off to somebody, and like her hamstrings were just so massive. It was unbelievable. It, yeah. I, I, I'm going to get off the Becca kick for a little bit because she is uh, – just give her a follow. She's impressive. She's, she's mm-hmm. very, very – interesting but yeah i think we'll go through that every week i'll pull a random powerlifting usa not gonna be in order yep we're just gonna pull one every week and we'll go through a couple highlights and didn't didn't we see someone's name that we know very 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 well in the 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 i don't know was this magazine or this one edition or it was one that you just happen to have on your desk oh yes i did find in there an upcoming meets we had the in 2006 late we had the illinois record breakers at, at velocity that i ran um, I think it was like a November meet. So that was would have been the precursor to the Illinois Raw Power Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the thought process of running the Record Breakers meet was that it had a little bit lower entry fee. Um, the awards were something a little bit cheaper. So mm-hmm. something that I'd only paid maybe five, ten bucks instead of ten, fifteen. And the thought was to run something where people could just come and break records. Yeah, um, post huge numbers. Yeah, the, that was the, the idea. Was. And it was it was a semi successful meet. Um, I think I had 40, 50 lifters. I don't know why I didn't run it again. Um, maybe it was a scheduling issue with the uh, velocity where I worked at the time. Something to think about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, as if we don't have a lot of meets. I guess you could say that uh, the Midwest Equipped Challenge essentially is that one because people that want to lift equipped can come break records. There you go. And qualify for the WPO. Yeah. So let's let's get into uh, our topic at hand of the week, Bane. I like this topic. This one's going to be fun because uh, I think it'll spark some conversation amongst people. Yeah, this is kind of one of those old standby internet arguing, you know, topics, and that is what defines what is a, quote, power lifter? Well, the dictionary technically would define it, but, you know. Well, what do we consider a power lifter? I think that's what we're going to get into, yeah. but let's start with uh, start with the dictionary. Yeah, so I pulled a couple of dictionary definitions. Dictionary.com says, mm-hmm. quote, a competition or sport involving three tests of strength. The bench press, squat, and two-handed deadlift. I don't know why it says two-handed deadlift, unquote. Hmm. So that's dictionary.com. And there was uh, a British definition as well in there that was... Merriam-Webster? No, there was a dictionary.com British definition, which was very similar. It just said deadlift, not two-handed. Okay. Um, The Merriam-Webster definition, weightlifting in which lifters compete in the squat, bench press, and deadlift. And this... Put it in the right order. And that, uh, yeah, I don't know why it's in the wrong order on dictionary.com. Uh, but Merriam-Webster also said that it was first known use was in 1959. 
Well, because previously it was the odd lifts. It was not called powerlifting, correct? Correct. I mean, there was odd lifts at Olympic lifting meets or bodybuilding shows. Yeah. It was almost kind of like a like an added attraction. It was a sideshow. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what the, the definition of powerlifting is. But our focus is more on the powerlifter themselves. So I agree that this is neither a specific definition of powerlifter. So as we kind of dive into this, um, how does one even become a powerlifter? Yeah, that's 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 the question to me. Yeah. Um, and neither Dictionary.com nor Merriam-Webster had a specific definition for powerlifter other than it would just redirect to powerlifting. Okay. I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'm going to put a pin in that one <clears throat> when we come back to my opinion on it, but I, we'll, we'll go from here. Sure. So. so, yeah, how does one become a powerlifter? Mm-hmm. Um, is it when you start training powerlifting? And what does that mean to train powerlifting? That's that's a good question because I, I think about that too. I think about, you know, when we talk about the story in our origin stories, I started training for my first beat right actually right around uh, October of 2013 because it's a 2014 state meet. So did I become a power lifter in October of 13? Did I become a power lifter in 2014? Did I become a power lifter when I won my first meet? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know when I became one. I just know that now I don't play soccer anymore. I'm not a powerlifter. So. Yeah, and what does it mean to train powerlifting? I mean, I would say generally it's when you train the squat, bench, deadlift, you know, training for competitions. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, people that might colloquially say that they're, quote, powerlifting if they just lift weights. Powerbuilding. Right. I would say that's just lifting weights. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can squat, bench, and deadlift and not necessarily be training like a powerlifter. Correct. He's doing the, the movements of the big three. So, or do you become a powerlifter when you compete in your first meet? This, or, or do you become a powerlifter once you bombed out? <laughs> Some people say that's when you become a real powerlifter. I would say the gold standard of most people is most people agree that at least when everyone agrees once you've done a meet, you're a powerlifter. I would say generally speaking, yes. Some people would say you become a powerlifter when you start training powerlifting, but everyone would agree at least once you've done your first meet, definitively at that point, you are now, quote, a powerlifter. Uh, my only caveat on that, I think we have it in here in our notes, is having a total. You have a total in the, in the meet. Like, if you bomb out of your first meet, I, I question whether you're a powerlifter. Well, you're not a successful powerlifter, but you're maybe a powerlifter. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to – I disagree. Again, if you if you didn't complete the task, the whole point of it is to compete. You didn't complete it. You didn't really compete. So I, I feel like you have to at least total <clears throat> once. Sure, Fair. Uh, some people would argue you need to do more than one meet. Like, if you just lift Maybe. once, are you really a power lifter? I don't know. That's, that's um, a, one of our members here said you got to do at least two meets, okay, before you well, can consider yourself a power lifter. But why not three? Right. That's why I said. Yeah. I mean, to me, two is arbitrary. Yeah, I would, if, I would if, agree with that. If you're going to set it at doing a meet, well, doing a meet, you're a power lifter at right. least at that point. Right. Now, how long you stay a power lifter? We'll talk about that next. Yes. Um, but do you need to achieve a certain total? Do you need to be a certain requisite strength level to be a powerlifter? So that, I, I think, and that's a question and answer, I think, that we hear all the time. You know, you run a business, and I'm sure people talk to you about getting fit, getting in shape, all that. You say, hey, come on out to 2XL. And I would say a high percentage of them, their response is, oh, I got to get stronger before I come there. Right? Well, I don't know if I get that for the gym as much, but I definitely get that for people competing in meets. Okay. So I, I hear both. Um, 
people here, you know, if they maybe hear a couple of the numbers that, that I, I put up, they go, well, I got to get stronger before I train with you. Well, that's how you get stronger is you train with stronger people. Um, tip of the day. So I, I, I think that <clears throat> having a certain total is not necessarily a prerequisite to being a power lifter. Uh, because then that suddenly says that you can go power lift, but let's say you know you're a, a 198, but you only total 998. Well, you didn't hit that thousand pound total, so you're not even real power lift. That, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make any sense. It, a total, yes, but a certain total is not. Now, to achieve a certain level, you know whether you are a master one, an elite, an international elite lifter. Yes, you obviously need a certain total for that. Sure, agreed. So I don't think a certain total is, is a prerequisite. Yeah, I guess it, in the extreme example, it'd be like, what if somebody just comes in and does the empty bar and all three lifts? Are they a power lifter? If they're an 80-year-old lady, maybe. If it's, you know... If it's a six-year-old kid? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, so that's where we're starting to get in some gray area. Like, I, I personally don't think it matters what you total. Um, I think if you've totaled, then yeah. you've become a power lifter at I, that point. I agree. I agree. Can, completing... A competition, I feel, is is you now can wear the mantle of powerlifter. You may suck okay. at it, but you can wear the mantle of powerlifter. Okay, what about, quote, retired powerlifters? Are you still a powerlifter if you no longer compete? And how long, it, it, let's say that you've just been a while, because there's been stretches in my, I mean, Bane, I've been, I've, as we've said, I've been powerlifting for 20 years now. Yeah. I mean, my first meet was, old. my first meet was the Illinois State meet in 2000. So it's been 20 years, and I've done probably 40-plus meets. But there have been stretches in there. Like uh, in high school, I injured my back, and it was probably a year-and-a-half, two-year period. There was a period in the early two, 2010s when I first injured my hip when it was another you know, year, year-and-a-half. I don't remember. Maybe even a two-year period when I didn't do a meet. Mm-hmm. I was still training. I was rehabbing. Um, was I still a powerlifter at that point when I'd been two years between meets? I, my view is yes, is you're still training. I would say that you fully intended to compete at some point, whether, whatever that's going to be, wherever the itch started again. Uh, so I feel definitely you would still be considered a power lifter at that point. You may just not be an active power lifter. Sure. I guess the question is when do you, quote, lose your status? It's like, you know, you know, Bane, from flying around all over the country <laughs> for work. It's like, you know, in a certain year, if you don't have enough miles then yep. you know you lose your gold status or diamond status or yeah i'm losing my premier platinum status united uh at jj underscore fitness if uh, you could talk to your mom about hooking that up that'd be great uh but yes i did not travel as much last year so i did i am losing my uh, premier platinum status uh, at the end of this month not very happy about that so at what point do you lose your status as a power lifter has it been no longer training for a while i mean because my brother ken for instance i can't remember the last time he did a meet yeah and he doesn't even train Super frequently because he's got three kids, mm-hmm. a job, a big mortgage, a slightly sick wife. Yep. I think he probably would still consider himself a powerlifter. He still judges whenever he can. Mm-hmm. He trains when he can. He'd like to do a meet at some point again, mm-hmm. um, but he certainly hasn't done a meet in a while now. I mean, it's probably been a number of years. I would certainly consider him an inactive powerlifter, uh, but because he still is... And, and I don't want to discredit what, what Ken does. He's still going through the motions. I would say he definitely would still be in the category of power lifter. Okay. I think it's once once you kind of walk away from the sport and, and all the things that go with it. So you're not training for any type of strength. You know, maybe you, you go from – I know there's a, a guy that I used to train with uh, that was a power lifter, and now his focus is exclusively on uh, competitive cycling. 
he's no longer a powerlifter. Sure, that makes he, sense. He doesn't he doesn't train to the gym for any kind of strength. He just focuses on that. So to me, that's when he's kind of lost that. So either it's when you move on to a different discipline of of sport, or you just simply move on from the gym altogether. And are you at that point a retired powerlifter? And I I have in on the notes was versus am as I am as, a powerlifter or I or I. Or I as long as you follow your retirement papers, you know, it's like the NFL. So. <laughs> but um, is this like a pro wrestling retirement yeah. where like, you know, Mick Foley is retired and then like six months later he's in WrestleMania? It, it could be similar to that. It's not going to be like a Michael Jordan retirement when he's actually suspended for 18 months. But uh, Oh, boy, conspiracy theories, huh? That is not a conspiracy theory. That is 100% accurate. So you think Michael Jordan was, quote, suspended? Michael Jordan, I will... You can put this anywhere. You can put this on any radio station, whatever. Michael Jordan was suspended for gambling. There was a guy that was found, a dead guy, that was one of his bookies found with a check signed by Michael Jordan betting on the Bulls. Hmm. We'll have to dive into that another time. We, we will. We can do this off the air. I can tell you all the different sources. This is actually a really interesting thing. When my dad and I had a sports card memorabilia business, that was I mean, the talk when he retired. As we got, it was very money. sudden. It was very sudden, and then interesting how he stayed on the payroll, and his pay never went down when he was playing for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into that a different time, but yeah, Michael Jordan was suspended. <clears throat> hashtag conspiracy theories. Yeah, hashtag not wrong. So, yeah, so I, I think there's always a chance that one could come back. There always is that chance because you may have as. Rocky so eloquently puts it in Rocky Balboa. There's still some some demons down in the basement. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. There's been plenty of people through the years. Like one of my main clients here, David Burstan, who mm-hmm. powerlifted it in high school and in college, and I think maybe even a little bit after college. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with work, with family, four kids, wife. No, that goes. Divorce. <laughs> Uh, he got away from it, and then after that, decided he wanted to come back. I'd say he certainly was retired, or he was, certainly wasn't a powerlifter. He wasn't even really working out, and then decided to, you know, reactivate. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, here in our notes, we have one of these things, you know, was versus am. That's a tough one for me because I identify with, you know, to me, one of the coolest titles out there, and that is, you know, Marine. And I, I am a Marine. Period. In the discussion, I'm a Marine. Right, I've made the mistake a couple times of saying <laughs> that somebody was a Marine. Yeah, and, and it's... They've always corrected me that once Marine, always Marine. Correct, and, and it's just one of, the, one of those... So with a powerlifter, again, I, there's What not, about if you're dishonorably discharged? Are you no longer a Marine then? <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one. I wasn't dishonorably discharged, so well, I I, I realize. <laughs> I'm speaking hypothetically, of course. I, I think at that point you probably lose the moniker. So yes, maybe if you you know get kicked out of a meet for slamming the bar down, then maybe you're no longer a powerlifter, but... <laughs> <laughs> won't name any names, but, you know, 2016 state meet. Um, God, I still can't believe that eight for eight and then slams a stupid bar down. Um, yeah, you know, people aren't smart sometimes. You know, I've, I've been there too. So, but generally speaking, the, the I, I don't think that this is one of those arenas where you're always a powerlifter. At some point, you walk away from it. And you may be around powerlifting, but at some point, if you're no longer training to compete and you're no longer training uh, for strength, you, you're a was. Okay. So the next one, which drives home very closely, oh, is do single lift lifters count, quote unquote? So, and I'm talking about bench only lifters, deadlift mm-hmm. only. I mean, certainly they're in the same umbrella of powerlifting, mm-hmm. but is a bench only lifter that only competes in bench, are they a powerlifter? So that's a good question because you could argue, I, I feel very much you could argue both sides of it is, you know, 
you're not doing all three lifts. You know, we, we have here the definition of a, a powerlifting competition is a sport involving three tests of strength, the bench, squat, and two-handed deadlift. <clears throat> so if you want to do one of those. I'd like, like to see a meet with a one-handed deadlift. That I, would be interesting. I would, too. Uh, what's his name? Uh, ah, Space Nose. He was a uh, European guy who was famous. He was the guy who said, uh, it's not worth being alive if you can't do deadlift. Sure. Uh, he's has, I don't know, 550-pound one hand a deadlift, but I I would say that it's tough for me to, to draw the line on where a bench or a deadlift only is not. Yeah, what about if you do bench only and deadlift only? Right. I, I don't know where that line is because anybody that tells Barzine Vaziri he's not a power lifter, you're just wrong. The, the man Barzine did compete in full he meets did, at he, one point, he and did. now he competes in bench only due to a knee injury and a couple other things. Correct. So could you argue he's a retired power lifter and a bench specialist? <laughs> Some people might. I would venture to say if you're going to hold a thousand pounds over your face, you're a power lifter. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know where the line is. I, I, right. I don't know what that. We'll get into that in the next section and why maybe that moniker is perhaps has perceived importance. Uh, the right. analogy I've always used with people, and I would argue bench only lifters, deadlift only lifters are not power lifters. And this is somebody who, for the last couple of years, has exclusively done bench only meets. Superior um, handoffs. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> my the analogy I use is. Tr- Triathlons. Okay. Triathlon is very similar to powerlifting. It has three disciplines. Now, granted, those three disciplines are a little bit more disparate than powerlifting. Powerlifting has so. three barbell exercises. Mm-hmm. Triathlons have swimming, running, and biking. So, you know. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> swimming, obviously, you have to have water. Biking, you have to have a bike. But is a marathoner a triathlete? I would say no. Mm-hmm. Is a, you know, is, was Lance Armstrong a triathlete? Now he no. is. Well, was he when he was just a cyclist? When he was no. just doping? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Acting like he's not now. <laughs> is a swimmer, you know, a competitive swimmer in high school, are they a triathlete? I'd say Michael Phelps was not. Right. Phenomenal athlete, but not a triathlete. Right. And that's, that's the thing. I don't know that it necessarily, you know, Barzine Vaziri holding 1,000 pounds above his face, you could say, yeah, that's super impressive. He's an impressive bencher. I don't know that that necessarily means he is currently a power lifter. Okay. By the definition. And that doesn't make him a bad lifter. Uh, can no, he does not. Can, can he be a lifter? Mm-hmm. Can he be a competitive lifter and not a power lifter? Yeah. Perhaps. So that's kind of my view on it. I mean, that again, makes that, it makes sense because it, at some point you do have to draw a line somewhere. And I would say that is one issue in our culture that I would say possibly is one of the big dividing factors on a lot of things mm-hmm. is that there are many people that like to draw lines, mm-hmm. and there are some people that don't like any lines drawn at all. And that's no. not to say that one or the other is better or worse, per se, but I would say that there's a certain group of political people that are very good at drawing lines. They're very good at saying, this is what we this, are. This is the rule. This is the rule. This is how we do things. This is this is where things end. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, a right, there's a right or a wrong. There's a yes or a no, and that's that. There's a black and there's a white. <gasps> offended (laughs) (laughs) and there's another especially far out set of political ideology that doesn't like any lines at all that says it's all up to the individual it's all what you feel and i would say you know (coughs) if we're talking about definitions i don't know that that makes sense no but but that is different feelings (laughs) so that's what it gets into next is why does it matter so Hot take, it doesn't. Uh, well, I think... Th- but I, I, I just want to put that out there. Listen, we 
I, I just want to give context to this. I, I love this sport. I do. It has taken me to all kinds of different places. I have met amazing people, including the gentleman sitting across from me. I've gone literally around the world to work out in front of people. But that's all we do. It's really all we're doing. Yeah, we're pushing our bodies and blend. You know, in some cases, there are people that are going to test the levels of human performance. At the end of the day, we're just working out in front of people. That's all it is. So, does it matter? No. Now, is it important to people? Yes, it's important to me. It's important to you, obviously. So, it matters to a point. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Sure. And I do think that there is a perceived value in the term powerlifter and being a powerlifter and being associated with powerlifting. Okay. Um, there's, there's value in that. And, and as someone who has run now beginner's intro meets for the last, you know, gosh, three, four years, twice a year with 30, 40 people in every single one of them, I've yeah. seen a lot of new lifters. And I can tell you that to them, having done their first meet and identifying themselves as a powerlifter, mm -hmm. they see value in that. And they see that as an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they shouldn't. But there is value in the term and in identifying as being a powerlifter. So okay, so I can just identify as a powerlifter. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm good now. I just identify as a powerlifter. That's the next thing I'm going to get into, Bane. Is that I do think there are a lot that ident they wrap their identity up in being a powerlifter in powerlifting. And that's that's more where my little rant was going towards is those that wrap everything up in being a lifter. sure. I mean, if there's anybody around here who could wrap their identity up in powerlifting. It's the guy that owns a gym called 2XL Powerlifting yep. that runs powerlifting meets that's been powerlifting for 20 years. Yep. But... Who met his wife powerlifting, yes? Uh, yeah, met my wife powerlifting. Yeah. But if you were to ask me, you know, what's the most important thing in your life? The gym would be up there, no doubt. Oh, yeah. It's but livelihood. my wife, my family, my maker would probably be above the gym. Okay. I... That's just me. Now, again, the gym is very important. I spent a lot of time here, put a lot of money, time, effort into it. But I think I, assholes like me. I think I identify more with some of those other things first rather than being, quote, a power lifter. Um, but there's a lot of people that their identity is wrapped up in that. I mean, we've talked about, you know, someone does their first meet and in their IG bio, <laughs> they've got, their, they've got their, their lifts and they've got power lifter as one of their identifiers. It's like, you know, Doug Lover... Um, you <laughs> know, lever twenty six sixty nine, uh, vegan and powerlifter. Yeah, oh, you know it's these different labels have value to people, and they want to have that label or that identity as part of who they are. And mm -hmm. something like as as silly as their Instagram bio. Yeah, that's that's a fair statement. Because there is a lot of emotion wrapped up in what you perceive your identity to be. If it wasn't, then this whole issue of transgendered individuals wouldn't be as contentious of an issue as it is but there is undoubtedly an incredible amount of emotion wrapped up in what people perceive their identity to be it's a it's a powerful statement and, and it's a very true one because we you know it's really that's why we have things like social media because you want this arena to show what your identity is, whatever that is, whether it's going to be powerlifting, whether it is, you know, being a vegan or being somebody who's very in touch with, uh, you know, the earth mother or whatever it is that, that you feel is, is the most important thing. It's not a bad thing. It's people do. They, they literally have entire platforms designed to show that off. So I, I agree that it is, it is big. There is value to it. And I think the other thing that you find is that there are a lot of people that are looking for meaning. 
and I'm not saying this in a bad way, and there's everyone's looking for meaning in their life. That's why, I mean, we've had, that's why we have organized religion. That's why we have, uh, I mean, that's why we have bars down the street that, because people are looking for meaning somewhere, whether it's in a book, a bottle, under a barbell, whatever. Right, and I think people find meaning in being a powerlifter, and that's why this issue, whether or not someone is a powerlifter, it can be so contentious because there's a lot of emotion in their self identity, and people derive meaning from what they do, and there's a lot of them for a lot of us. In a lot of our spare time, I wrote down, Bain, that many of us spend a great deal of our recreational time, our spare time, not working time, lifting weights. Yeah. Many of us spend a great deal of our disposable income. For some people, they don't have a lot of disposable income, and sure. what they do have, they spend on lifting, on lifting gear, on going to meets. Um, and when you spend a lot of time and when you spend a lot of money on one thing and you've wrapped your identity in it, and you've got a lot of emotion wrapped up in that, and you've derived meaning from that in your life, yeah, that's going to mean a lot to you. And if somebody were to not call you a power lifter, that would be, you know, that would be a very contentious argument between you and somebody who claimed that you're not one. I, I could see that. Again, for the way I typically look at it is, you're right, it is something that we do. And, and that's just it. That's in my view, this is first Robert's second opinion. While I do power lift, it's not who I am. Right. At the end of the day, I am I am a husband, I'm a father, I'm a believer, and then there's everything else after that. Sure. Those three things are the are and that's even how and it's not necessarily order, but that's how I I'm I'm an eater before I'm a lifter because I like to eat more than I like to lift. Um those two things just happen to go together generally. Yeah. I mean I would consider myself a power lifter. I've been Competing in powerlifting meets. And yeah, and I, and I would consider myself per, one as well. But I agree with you. I don't identify. That's not my primary identity yeah. as a powerlifter. So, so that's why I just, I just like to make that very big distinction between is what I do, it's not who I am. Sure. But and, I think for but, some but people that plenty, is. Yeah, there's plenty of people that don't have that distinction. Well, and yeah, I bring this up to people a lot of times when they when they see people getting. The next thing we're going to talk about next week is negativity on the internet. Yeah. And. One of the reasons I think that some of these issues get so contentious online is because people have so much emotion wrapped up in what they're doing. I mean, again, recreationally lifting weights. That's what we're doing. Let's break it down. Yeah. Like you said, we're, we're, working, we're, we're working out in front of people. We're working out in front of people. <laughs> but there are people that hate their job. Maybe they work a regular nine to five job where they I don't know, be like that. They punch in and they punch out. And they put their, their hard hat on and they do a, a blue-collar job. Yep. Or they work at a crappy cubicle. That yep, Cube City. And they hate what they do. Powerlifting is their outlet. That is their spot where they can be who they want to be, where they can you know, put their headphones in or go with their group of lifters that they know. And that's their time to be what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Certainly spending eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks out of the year, sitting at a computer going through TPS reports, if that's the type of job you have, you're you're not going to identify as an insurance adjuster. That's nothing against insurance adjusters. If yeah. someone's out there listening and they do that, <laughs> if that's what if you love insurance adjusting, perfect. They're nothing Denied. I don't <laughs> I don't have any negativity on anybody who does a job and does it hard and does it well. But there are many people who if they have some type of job where again it's blue, be it blue collar, white collar, and they don't like it. They don't identify as that job, and people want to have an identity. They want to have something that they can 
wrap their arms around. Um, some people wrap themselves up into some other hobby, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're quilting communities online yeah, that are underwater basketball, whatever they want to do. <laughs> but I think definitely powerlifting is one where people wrap their identity up into that rather than what they do for the other 40, 50 hours a week, which is their okay. nine to five job. Okay. Uh, the other side of that is from the current powerlifter perspective. And that is, you know, kind of this closed garden philosophy is that is, well, you're not a powerlifter unless you do X. And the cur- you bomb out. Right. And <laughs> you'll, you'll see people post online like, well, you're not a real. And it's not that you're not a powerlifter. You're not a, quote, real, real powerlifter. powerlifter unless you never lose a multiply. You're not a real powerlifter. If yet. you've never bombed out, you're not a real powerlifter. Right. If, you, if you never competed in the USAPL, you're not a real powerlifter. Uh, man, there's definitely people that think if you don't compete in the IPF that you're not doing real powerlifting. <laughs> Fucking zealots. And there's people that think if you don't lift raw that you're not in real powerlifting yeah. as well correct or yeah. that if you don't lift drug free yep. or there's the other side where people think if you don't take drugs and that you're not a multiply like right that you're not a real powerlifter. correct because why why would you ever do anything to hinder your strength building right i i get that i don't agree with it but yeah. i get that where it's like if you're going to push your body to the limit why wouldn't you do go all the way why would you go all it. the way put on three layers of canvas four layers of polyester yep. and a grandma test a week there you go um, you miss the lift of the, of the, uh, the test. And there are many of us who are powerlifters right now. And the question I would ask is, why would we care? That's the question. Why would we care? And I guess it's because, again, people wrap their identity up in it, and they feel that this is my community. I'm a powerlifter, mm-hmm. and I don't know that you qualify unless you do X, and that there's a rite of passage in order to get in our closed group of mm-hmm. powerlifters. But I would ask the question again, how does it affect you how somebody else identifies? So the only thing that where I see there potentially is the issue is somebody who identifies as a powerlifter and is just kind of like a scumbag. Um, <laughs> I apologize for being a nice coughing today. Yeah, we both are just fighting off colds. Scary. Um, I won't name this particular person. They are an internet sensation. They, I would say, were a power lifter for a couple years. And this individual now is more about traveling around the world and taking pictures with other influencers and also, allegedly, is into beating their significant other up. And if people identify that as a power lifter, I I see where there is some concern where I, I would care that I don't want to be associated with that because that's not who I am. Sure, or you might have people online that just lift weights and right. you know do hitched, strapped, right. you know, or they use fake weights, uh, right? And they say, "Well, that's a power lifter." It's like, "Well, no, not really. That's just a dude that posts a bunch of internet videos, right?" Well, that is a chick who posts you know pictures of her in a thong. It's right. That doesn't make you a power lifter, correct? So yeah, I, there is there's some, some level of care. There's some level of care that we don't want what we perceive our community to be to be negatively impacted by the actions of others that are doing something that, you know, we would consider bullshit. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but I, I think you had a great note in here. There, there is at some point, I, I do feel there is that rite of passage. Like what is, what it is, I'm not sure, but I, 
Yeah, the easy answer is competing in a powerlifting meet or completing a powerlifting meet, as you said. Yes. That's the easy answer. It's a little bit more complicated, but I think that's the easiest answer. Once you get an intergalactic state record, then you're (laughs) you're a real powerlifter. Um, The next thing is, well, how does the internet, how does social media and even uh, meme culture, which, gosh, we could maybe at some point do a whole episode on memes. We've done a couple episodes on the internet. We're going to do one next week. But how impactful, uh, this is not a joke, how impactful memes can be. They, I, 100% they can be. I, I, one could argue, and again, we never really want to get into politics on the show, but one could argue that one of the reasons why Donald Trump was elected president was because of memes. There's a video out there that goes through the, the psychology of that. At least it was a contributing factor, undoubtedly. Oh, it, it most definitely was one of the things that it kept him so in the forefront of consciousness that when it came out of the voting booths, he was there. Right. And he was in the front of people's minds. And along that same wavelength, um, when it comes to social media, when it comes to memes, you know, people definitely, they want connections with other people. And that's part of the reason people want to be a powerlifter is because they want to connect with other people. On, I mean, why do we get on social media? Right, it's connection. Right, it's connections with people, even if it's just, you know, connections with random people liking your posts and that's the other element if you're not a power lifter for some people what would they even post on social media i guess food pictures and dogs dogs pictures of their kids like we do yeah um but that's a big thing for some people is that that's most of their social media quote content Mm -hmm. is powerlifting lifting videos and selfies yeah and And, you know when i people ask a lot about my skincare routine so i do gotta you know post about a lot of people have been asking me about this so (laughs) A lot of private messages about this. A lot of DMs. A lot of DMs. Um, episode 14, and, you know, we were talking earlier about some of these, like, meme Instagram accounts, like subpar powerlifting memes. Yep. There's there's a bunch of others that basically... White, they, pe- white People Humor, one of the best ones, by the way. What, is that on Instagram? It is on Instagram. He's on Twitter as well. His uh, Inst- or Twitter handle is White Meme Jesus. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Flynn, is, uh, he's, he's a genius, I'll say that. But there's a lot of memes out there about being a powerlifter. Like, there's the one where, like, there's the old dude internet, yep. and they're like, there's a young kid next to him is like, oh, I started powerlifting five years ago, and this yeah. is how I look now. <laughs> but there is that internet the, cult- the USAPL starter kit and the USPA starter kit. Right. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there's an APF starter kit of like a bottle of test, a canvas squat suit, and an SDP bench shirt. Yeah, I think I think and, a pair of khakis and a, and, and, a picture or and like you are right there. Yeah. On depth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's the internet and social media is definitely a place where people are looking for like-minded individuals. I mean, we talked about this in our origin episode and our internet episode, you know, I found out about powerlifting through the internet. Mm -hmm. So I I was like that. I was looking for a group to belong to. Um, Joe Rogan, a couple of years ago had someone on that talked about how gyms are almost becoming like the modern day church for some people. It's their, Mm -hmm. it's their, they call it church. Yeah. I mean, it's their where they derive meaning. Mm -hmm. It's where they have a lot of emotion into. It's where they find small groups of people that they uh, associate with. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of religious elements in all of that. Yeah. I mean, Uh, we've we've talked about this. There are, you know, some other gyms in the area that they have a, a, it's a great culture at, at, you know, these other gyms where it's young people and they, uh, they've really got a very familial type of atmosphere. And you're right. It's very, uh, similar to what a church would feel like. Yeah, I mean, if anybody who's ever been to church, synagogue, 
any any temple, temple or whatever temple any kind of religious institution i mean that's what they try to instill in churches you know you come to your in church it's you come to your weekly service but then they also want you to maybe try to get involved Do in a small group get involved in small groups so you can make more personal connections with people that's like teams at at gyms yep. yeah we want you to come to team sessions because you're more likely to come to a place continually if you have personal connections with people. There's no doubt about that. 100%. The people who at 2XL Powerlifting, who are members of Team Stone or members of the Old Man 2XL crew, <laughs> they're Sh- the ones... Shady Acres Retirement Home. Right. Uh, no, we're going to put up the Villages. We're going to call them yes. the, the Villages... Uh, I don't know if we should call them the Villages crew or the Village crew. That kind of sounds like the Village people. I was going to say, can you guys call them the Village people? Will they get mad at that? Yeah, I don't probably know. Probably very. Yeah, probably very, because that doesn't really fit them. <laughs> we'll, we'll think about that. Um some kind of name like that. I, but but, but all of those people, they are the most consistent members. Why? Because if they miss, someone's going to say, where the hell have you been? Why have you been in the gym? Yep. Why aren't you training for a meet? Because there's a rule. There's a line. <laughs> right. And because you have those connections with people, you're more likely to not want to let them down. Or you're more likely to just want to come to the gym to hang out with them because they're your friends. Yeah, I mean, shit, I've, I've come in here a couple times. Just I wouldn't even train. I just came in and hung out with you guys. Right, right, Definitely. Um, and you know, but we are kind of caught up in labels in our culture, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. We're caught up in the perceived value. At the end of the day, I, I agree with you, Bane. What does it really matter whether you're a power lifter or not? That doesn't, you know, inherently have value. Like, yeah. like you said, I, by the pure definition of the term, I could, someone who's never lifted a weights before, mm-hmm. they, you could give them five minutes of instruction. They could lift the empty bar, squat, bench, deadlift. And technically they would have been a power lifter. Correct. Like you said, not just a good power lifter, yeah. not a competitive power lifter, but they would, by the definition of the term, they would be a power lifter, mm-hmm. right? The, the 100%. That, that checks all the boxes. And that's why the internet arguments are whether you a, quote, real power lifter. And that, right. maybe that could have been our, our next dovetail into as is, you know, what, what happens when you become, quote, a real, how do you become a, a quote, real, a, power, quote, lifter. real power lifter? Yeah. And, it's basically all ends of the spectrum everywhere. Have to do drugs, cannot do drugs. Have to lift IPF, cannot lift IPF. Yeah, have, have to do multiply, have to bomb out. Like it, right, exactly. Have to go nine for nine. Have you bombed out before, Bane? I have not. Oh, okay. I bombed out twice. Uh, once very spectacularly at the Olympic Training Center yeah. in Colorado Springs. Yeah. That was terrible. Once at my own gym, uh, my brother Ken bombed me out. That was not as big of a deal. It was disappointing, but... It was a squat only meet, so I was going to be done after those three squats anyways, yep. and it was like, if I don't get a big squat, that's why so many bench only lifters bomb out, Yeah, because if they don't get their bench, it's like, well, I've, I was done anyways. Right. It's not like I'm missing the Let's next go, event. three lifts, you're going for broke. Right. And, uh, once again, why bench only lifters are not power lifters. Sure, sure. I, I actually, I almost I almost bombed out of my first world. Okay, what happened? Uh, it, <clears throat> there was a lot of things. I won't go into all this stuff, but it was a horrible what, training cycle. What meet was this? 2017 Worlds. Oh, it's right at, here at Lyle. Okay, yep. we'll be back there most likely this year for WPC Worlds. Yeah. So came out for actually a decent bench day. Uh, that was also the meet where, uh, and I don't know if uh, Callie and Emma uh, over in England listen to this, but where Callie called me uh, Robbie on the oh mic. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I walked up right after her. I think it was like a 644 squad and looked him right in the eye and pointed my finger and said, my name is Robert. <laughs> So now he calls me Mr. Bane, whatever, I, uh, whatever uh, yes. I'm lifting. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I got to the deadlifts, and I was I was so gassed. I had cut to 242. I, I had cut from 256 to 242 in, like, seven days. 
I was not the best water cutter, and I only put on like or put back on like six or seven more pounds. Which is why, uh, if anybody ever wants to do the water cut, don't freaking do it. Well, or listen to Eric's version of it because he actually his recut plan is phenomenal. If you're gonna do it. The water cut is not the most important part. The most important part is the recomposition. Yeah, and I did not do a good job with the right. Recomp. That is more important than the weight. Anybody, anybody can. I mean, you could cut a leg off and you could make weight. Right. The question is, you're gonna be able to reattach that leg and squat afterwards. Right. So I, I did not recomp very well, and so I was, I was so gassed. I was, I wasn't really coherent. It wasn't good. I, uh, if you remember this, uh, my opening deadlift, I did basically like a backflip off the bar. I passed out as I was coming up. I lost my grip, and I, like, fell backwards. It was just all kinds of I don't really terrible. remember that, but it's kind of coming back to me. Now it that was all saying. kinds of terrible, and then I had to basically come through. I got my got it on my second, uh, and it was everything, every ounce that I had in me. Jeez. Um, and then I, I passed on my third. And, uh, yeah, so I almost pumped that out of my first worlds. But anyways. And that's when you almost became a real power lifter? Almost, almost. I hope to one day be a real power lifter. I mean, it did almost die on the platform, so maybe that's when uh, – and, and you know, had to go across the pond for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so all these things, let's put it all in a bag, yeah. throw it together. What's your view, Bane? When are you a power lifter? We've kind of alluded to it. We have. It is when you have completed a meet. That is when you are a real power lifter. You can walk up, and, and what's nice about here at 2XL and any meet that the, uh, the team runs is you have a nice little certificate that lists your total, and that tells you right there, I have totaled. I have completed a meet. I am a power lifter. I'm not going to rank whether you are a good, a bad, an elite, whatever. That part is inconsequential right now. After that first meet, you are a power lifter. Now, if you want to go and compare that number to others who have been powerlifting for a meet or 2,000 meets, whatever, you're welcome to. You may be really excited. You may be disappointed after that. But at that point to me, you are a power lifter because you have completed a meet. It doesn't take two. It doesn't take ten. It, does, it just simply takes one completed meet and a total. And I'm not even going to specify in a federation. It's just a total in a meet, in a sanctioned meet. Okay. So that's my definition. What is your view, Eric? So to me, once you compete, and I would I would agree with you, once you complete a meet, then you're a powerlifter. So you got to compete in a powerlifting meet, and you have to complete it. I don't, I don't think bombing out qualifies. <laughs> um, I don't really think bench only and deadlift only is powerlifting. I think it's under the same umbrella. I think it's related. I think you're a lifter. I'm just not sure you're a power lifter. To me, again, I use the, the triathlon analogy. You're not a triathlete unless you do, you know, it's, I think it's usually, what, swim, run, bike? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. I have no desire to ever do one. So I've never well, do nor one. do I. But I'm pretty sure it's, at least in the, uh, you know, the Ironman, I think, mm-hmm. is, you know, like a two-something mile swim. Um, maybe a bike is second. Maybe it's swim, bike, run. I know that... At some point, you run a marathon in the Ironman. I think maybe that's the last leg. I think it's. I think the running is the last one. I'm yeah, actually, that would make sense. Yeah. I think it's you. You swim two point whatever miles. You bike like a hundred plus miles, and then after doing that, then you run a marathon. And it's like if you can just complete that, then yeah, you're an Ironman if you can complete yeah, that. Yeah, you are. And you're definitely both. a triathlon. You're a triathlete. Um, if you lo- if you no longer compete to me, and you're not even training, or maybe if you still train but you just don't compete. To me, you're a retired powerlifter. Okay, um, that's fair. And if you're training for your first meet, you're just an aspiring powerlifter. I definitely agree with that. Um, again, to me, none of these, quote, labels take away from what anybody does. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's necessarily inherent value in calling yourself or being a powerlifter. Again, we've talked about all these things. Well, what about if I'm a real powerlifter? I need to bob out. I need to do X, Y, Z. I mean, again, you could lift the bar. 
Yeah. All three lifts. Compared to the average person, if you're a powerlifter, therefore you have connection and value to that. And and it brings you into the community. Past that, to me, it's whatever. Right. And I don't know why people always have to get so caught up in labels about it. Again, at the end of the day, most of the time, if somebody who lifts weights and wants to call themselves a powerlifter and they they tell all their friends and they tell their family Mm -hmm. and they tell everybody at the gym, yeah, I'm a powerlifter, I'm a powerlifter, I powerlift, like... It really, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect no. my meats. It nope. doesn't affect my lifting. So why do I really care? I don't. Um, just like if somebody wants to change their identity in some other way. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it doesn't really affect me. Now, there's some ways it might. But at the end of the day, most of the time, you know, you can call yourself what you want. You could be wrong as well. You could be. You could call yourself something and be wrong. Yes. Um, but that's kind of my view is that... Uh, it, even if you just lift weights in the gym and you don't compete, I mean, there's nothing saying in this world that we all have to compete. I think competing is very fun. Mm-hmm. I think it helps drive your training. I encourage people to do it. Um, I think it, it, it's a great test. I think it, you know... Someone say test. <laughs> one of the things, uh, future episodes we've talked about doing was, you know, traveling to meets and how that impacts. I mean, there's, there is something different about... Even if you're competing at the same gym, it's like... Well, you're not competing. Well, you're not lifting on the same schedule that you do when no. you get to work out. No, you don't get to have your perfect song on. You don't get to, you know, maybe have the rack. The rack may not be anything like it normally is. Yeah, I mean, oh. there could be the the platform is shaky. There could be just different smells. I mean, that that's played a part of different meets that I've been at. This, this smells weird. Uh, the pace is going to be different. Yep. Who you're lifting around is going to be different. You're not going to have your training partners most of the time spotting you. Yeah, so. I think there is value in competing in a powerlifting meet, but at the end of the day, if you just want to lift heavy in the gym and post on Instagram and YouTube, Stand hey, up. you know, yeah, it, have at it. Doesn't really, doesn't really bother me one way or the other. Yeah. Which brings us right into next week's episode topic. Which is going to be a fun one. The negativity of the internet. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about the negativity of the internet, especially related to powerlifting, you know, we're talking about the comment section, especially of Instagram, the comment section on Facebook, the shit talking. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, you go on Twitter, I, I take it, some Bane? Uh, very, very little, but I do. Is powerlifting big on Twitter or not as much as Instagram and Facebook? I, I think powerlifters are on Twitter, but not, not the way the interactions are on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that's my perception as well. I go on Twitter some. I, I think that, I mean, there's, like you said, there are powerlifters on Twitter. I'm sure there's some talk of powerlifting that goes on on Twitter. I'm sure. But I think more of the talk is definitely on Instagram because people are posting oh, yeah. lifting videos and pictures. All their high squats. <laughs> uh, and then there's definitely a lot of talk on, to me, Facebook for my generation of lifter, and I would say this people my age and older, mm-hmm. Facebook has replaced. Yeah. Facebook has, and people that have been in the sport a while. Yeah. This, Facebook has replaced the old school message boards that we used to go on in the early 2000s. Yes. Back in the October, you know, 2006 range <laughs> of that Powerlifting USA when I guarantee Sam Bird's squat on the cover was called high. I don't know if it was or not, but I just guarantee that back on GoHeavy.com in 2006. Somebody said it was high. Sam Bird's squat was, before they even see the video, yeah. it, was, it was called well, high. Well, it was quipped. Of course it was. Right. It, it definitely, all quip squats are high. Every one of them. So... Anything else to add on uh, on the topic at hand of powerlifters, Bane? So all I'll say is if, if you aspire to be a powerlifter, if for whatever reason this whole thing, like you, you think it's cool, go get the label. Go do a meet. We got a bunch of them coming up here at 2XL. Uh, do a meet and 
And then I'll be honest. I think after you do, after someone does a meet, I think they truly want to, I think they know in their head, like, I want to not only be a power lifter, but I want to continue being one. Uh, or it's like, ah, this was fun, but, you know, I'll, I'll slowly fade into the shadows. I, I feel like after the first meet, they, they really kind of know. Now, they may try to fake it for a little while, but I feel like people know. Uh, but I said, if you're an aspiring power lifter, go get the label. Just go do it. Yeah, I agree. Compete in a meet. We've got lots of beginners meets that uh, we do. can can ease you into the sport and teach you a little bit more than just, you know, taking your three attempts. And there's cool spotters there, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> With that, a, a little shorter one this week, Bane, after a fatigued stone from moving an entire powerlifting gem. Yeah. Um, is it is it a real powerlifting gym? Do we know for sure? We can call it a real powerlifting I, gym. Maybe once we have our first meet, then it's a powerlifting gym. Maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, so after the women's meet on February sixteenth, but it's not a co-ed, so would it be a full? So you, the, the, then, is it just a women's powerlifting gym? I guess at that point, yeah. yeah. This is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>